Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. Welcome, everybody, to episode 18 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm one of your co-hosts, Phil Souza, and I'm here with my co-host, my good friend, and a weasel, dork, butt face, and scuzz bucket. It's Jack Ultramat. You're not going to make it to your eighth birthday. Now, walk home <laughs> through the woods, crossing a train tracks. What? <laughs> Flight of the Navigator. I did not understand this movie very well. I'd seen it a long, long, long time ago, when I was probably a kid. And now I'm just like... What did I just watch? Uh, we're talking about 1986's Flight of the Navigator this week on Disney Plus Reviews. This is a, a Disney movie. It is on Disney Plus. You can watch this movie now, today. Yes. Right after you listen to this, or maybe watch it first and then come back maybe and listen Maybe watch it, hit mute on the movie and watch and listen to us talk about it while you watch it, like a little watch along on Yeah. Yeah. And we might go a little faster than how the movie Yeah, goes, I'm not saying we're going to go beat by beat on the movie, but... Um, you know so, what I mean. So okay, so a little history. I think we talked briefly about this in the last episode, but uh, I, let me go through the rigmarole. So if you're just joining us for this podcast, we're an unofficial Disney Plus podcast. We uh, enjoy reviewing the latest and sometimes not latest on Disney Plus, the most popular stuff, I guess, on Disney Plus. And this week we're talking about Flight of the Navigator. Um, yes, that one. The one that aired in 1986, there is talks of of them actually rebooting, like to make like a new version of it, which I would believe. I, I it's I think it's been talked about for th- four or five years, and in the last couple of years, it seems to be ramping up. So we might see a, a remake of this in the next couple of years. Um. So yeah, 1986 for some of you listeners was before you were born. Uh, some of you it was when you were you were a kid, just like Jack and I when when this movie came out. Uh, I was six and Jack was seven. Yes. Um, if it came out in the summer. And uh, so kind of perfect age to go see this. The story of a boy who hits his head and realizes eight years have passed while he hasn't aged a day and that there is an alien spaceship that holds the truth to where he's been this whole time. Hmm. And that's all I'm going to tell you. If you have not watched the movie, we are going to get into some spoilers and just kind of recap the entire movie. So uh, maybe hit pause, go watch the movie, come back. Uh, otherwise, if you don't mind being spoiled, we're going to go jump into that. But Andy, Jack, let's talk about what yeah. what is your history with this movie? Did you see it in oh, theaters? I remember this one. Uh, no, I did not watch it in theaters. I definitely watched it on home VHS, probably. Uh, and it's probably actually in the early, maybe early 90s, maybe late 80s when I actually saw it on VHS. Right. Um, it is one that along with um, Escape from Witch Mountain, uh, along with Something Wicked This Way Comes, along with all the other Disney things that came out that were um, that were live action, that weren't animated. You you either were all bought in or you were <laughs> like, well, 
I don't know about that. You know, yeah. and this was definitely one that it wasn't like I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. Um, but I knew that this was a little bit better uh, than some of the other stuff that Disney put out that was live action. And the uh, video, the CGI, I want to say CGI, because they did use CGI on this. And honestly, for for mid-80s, is that, it's pretty cutting edge. And like, there's, there's something they do late in the movie that is very um, funny to me when you had a technology that you didn't use much. Yeah. And then you get this technology, and then you just keep hitting that button over and over again to, because you're like, we want to show off this technology. And then it's like the kid riding, on, riding in the uh, spaceship across the country several times uh, for no apparent reason. Like, in this weird way. Like, this really odd... I don't understand. Anyway. Uh, I'm looking up when Terminator 2 came out. Uh, T2 was, what, 90? 90, 92, I think. Okay. I could uh, be wrong on that. I think it's 92. 91. Yeah, 91. so five years after this movie is when Terminator 2 came out. Big difference. And um, honestly, like, it's a lot of the same kind of looking technology, kind of like metal uh, morphing yeah. right before your eyes kind yeah, of thing. But, but but five years before Terminator no. 2, 2 did it. Now, granted, it's it's with only one object, just the, the spaceship in this movie versus you know lots of different things that they were doing in terminators james cameron and this movie is randall kleiser which i am gonna i'm excited actually to talk about some of his odd is he has a really weird resume like a really weird resume yeah by the time this movie came out i actually found a 1986 film review like it was like a like an archive like this is the best yeah they were like any things i've read they're like yeah this is oh this it's really really good yeah Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is like 80-something, and all those are like from 1986, I would assume. But yeah, they were pretty high on it. The Did they um, superimpose them from the past into the their system? Uh, it was like, I, I, it wasn't time. It was uh, Los Angeles Times or New York or something like that. Okay. Some newspaper, but yeah, it had been archived, like digitized, basically. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, and uh, yeah, so I read that review, and one of the things they were talking about was... Randall Kleiser and how he basically was mostly known for Grease. Like the, yeah, the, the and movie Grease came out. And he's got other, other things that are like, when we start talking about the movie, I'm kind of excited about yeah. talking about that cat. But So yeah, 1986 uh, came out in the summer, uh, tail end of the summer, right before school uh, jumped back in in 1986, uh, August 1st, and had a $9 million budget, which that seems really low for some of the, especially the CGI stuff that they were doing. I, my, my guess is they weren't paying the actors very much because a lot of these guys were unknown actors or like even Sarah Jessica Parker, who's oh, in this movie, is by the su- way. super unknown yeah, at this point. She's bad. Yeah, she's pretty bad. Like she's bad. Oh, righteous, David. You're <laughs> so cool to Just her. Sister. What made you do? What got you in lockdown? Oh, gosh. Uh, 18, 18 oh, no. million dollars in the box office, so it, it doubled its budget, but its, its budget wasn't very high. Um, and I would imagine it's probably made quite a bit on VHS and DVDs and stuff like that. Oh, I'd um, say so. There's one thing I need to mention up front as far as the quality of watching this on Disney Plus. Um, this this looks like it was taken from a VHS tape. Like it, the, the way that it well, it has this it has this older quality. Like yeah, that that and I mentioned the other ones. Uh, Escape from Witch Mountain, something uh, wicked this way comes. Those things, when you rewatch those things, they're very much like they're just not like it's. They've shot those on different film, like that. Yeah, they're shot on a different, like on something different. And I'm sure someone that's listening has a better concept. Jerry McMullen will probably really be able to chime in here and say what what type of film, but it has a different look to it. Yeah, and I 
that this was one where like um i think they probably just had trouble finding the original reels or whatever to mm-hmm. like you know to to get like a remastered version of this movie um you, you go back and, and watch like the blu-ray version today's blu-ray version of star wars 1977 and it looks really good compared to this movie mm-hmm. and in fact like even the um like like that little like chime like disney music time at the beginning um is warbled like the audio is warbled and then there's actually artifacts on the screen during the first five minutes like little black dots and vertical lines and stuff like that yeah and and this is on disney plus on the disney plus service that i watched it so it looks like it was they were like this is the best we could find um from you know this archive you know whatever at the bank they like they, they pulled out drawer 67 and yes and this was what they found and they were like this is the best we got the best version of this movie that we could find i said so. this i said it wrong it's return return from which mountain okay so i was saying that wrong there is an escape from which mountain movie. is it called escape there is one it's 1995 i think it said anyway i was looking it up because I'd, I'd never heard of it anyway so, um, the, so who, yeah. the rock is in that one so honestly like if you watch this on vhs when you were a kid it probably still looks pretty similar to that it looks to me like a like a 480p type kind of low res uh mm-hmm. version of the movie so but i mean i i don't know that there's anything better out there because this as to my knowledge this movie's never been released on blu-ray um it's just an uh, older format so uh any, anyways um give me your just kind of overall thoughts on the movie and then we'll kind of go Beat by beat and well, the plot. It's a movie that has um, some really good aspects of it because they're they're doing some cutting edge things technology wise um, with CGI. If you've ever listened to me talk on audio, like on podcasts or anything like that, and I remember talking about like children actor, child actors in movies. Like I struggle, I struggle uh, yeah. uh, with my, I I just struggle not critiquing their horrible, you know, acting. And so, and that, not, not to say they should dress up an adult as a child and have him be the navigator, but all I'm saying is that um, this kid does, David did fine. Like, David was fine. I mean, it's, yeah. he's very kid-like. Um, I think there were some good emote. moments. He did emote. He had some good emote. You know, he did uh, show emotion yeah. uh, pretty well. Uh, some of the other people in the movie weren't very good actors. Yeah, I, I talked about Sarah Jessica Parker earlier. She's just not, not that she's a great actress now, but she has, you know, acting ability now, and it kind of reminds me of, of like what you might see on 1980s television, like yeah, that, that and that's, kind of acting. Yeah, and had that feeling. And then um, there's just some things that the 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 movie starts out with, and then it, by the end, it's kind of kind of switched on its ear a little bit. Like, um, there's a definite left turn in this Max, movie about an hour in. Well, yeah. I'm just going to spoil it. Uh, Max, the uh, uh, droid relations droid, that's part of the clone sh- or the uh, um, drone ship, yeah. basically that he's the navigator of, which they don't really explain why he's the navigator at any point. Am I right? Uh, they don't say he, he, they, they really. uploaded some. They used his whole brain. Yeah. They, which, by the way, I've got a real another good take on the ten percent of your brain thing, which is not real, but anyway. yeah. Um, but the the only thing that they explain is that they downloaded like star a, mil- a million tra- star charts into his yeah, brain. Yeah, well, why is he the navigator? I mean, but I guess he's why, the navigator why because he of has that? to navigate around the Earth d- is never really explained. Well, I think because it's just at first plain. it's not a big deal, and then he like, the, the the whole premise of the of this movie at, at the halfway mark when you find out what's really going on, uh, the the premise when it gets launched is I need your help to get back home, like get back to whatever the name of his planet is. Tra- uh, what's it called? The 
Phalion or whatever Phelan, it's called. Phalion, yeah. Um, the big thing for me. So he's the navigator to get yeah, them home. Basically, the, the part the part for me was Paul Rubens, who is Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, and I didn't. I, so um, here, here's my thing with Paul Rubens in this movie. I didn't know it was Paul Rubens until he started laughing. Oh, and he started so doing Pee Wee, and you're like, that, what the heck? And then when you know the director's background, he directed uh, Pee Wee's uh, Big Top Pee Wee. Oh, I didn't know that. That makes a lot like of sense. Like two years later or whatever it was. Yeah. And which is hilarious to me. Like, I, I'm just like, oh, really? Like, he's, And Paul Rubens was a big time comedian dude, at this time. he was huge at the time. And so, so it's kind of like, oh, this is a big get. But now it seems so dated. Yeah. It would literally be like if they were like, and here's Max Hedrum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not. Why? It's not like um, Jim Carrey. You know, like oh, like oh, we started this. We wrote this movie in the '90s, and we got Jim Carrey. It's like, well, Jim Carrey's still relevant today. Yeah. Paul, Ru- Paul, Paul Rubens, Rubens is, is not. And, well, to the point of actually, he's more. He's more stigma than he is anything else. When yeah. you really think about Paul Rubens, but that was the part. The character, the ro- he went from being a robot, which I kind of liked that because it was like kind of like the robot on. You ever played the game Portal? Oh yeah. Um, it's kind of like that robot on Portal. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's kind of cool, actually. And then all of a sudden, he turned into Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Like, it yeah. turned, it was like, which was weird. Like, Yeah, that's the left turn that I was referring to. That, that, and it is a tale of two movies up to that point. Like, um, the movie is pretty serious. There's not a lot of laughs um, in the first half of the movie. And then you, turn, you make that left turn, and then it goes just straight comedy. Well, it's almost that. like it was very sad whenever he's basically traveled in time. I mean, not traveled in time, but traveled in time, been dropped back off eight years later or whatever. Yeah. And everyone, the world's changed and he's stayed the same. That's pretty sad. Yeah. And his family doesn't even know him. He doesn't really know his family. They're, and they've moved. They're borderline like dark moments, like in the first 20 minutes mm-hmm. of the movie where you're just like, whoa, like this is pretty heavy, pretty yeah. serious. Right. And then Sarah Jessica Parker showed up. And it all went yeah. downhill. Hi, I'm Carolyn McAdams, and here's a robot. He brings in sandwiches, and he messes it up a lot, but here he is. Yeah. Can you tell I'm not a big Sarah Jessica Parker fan? Can um, you tell? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I haven't seen her in a whole lot. I, I Strangely enough, and maybe this is just unique to like what age group we fall into, the two of us fall into, but um, when I started seeing Sarah Jessica Parker in like big, big time roles, even before Sex in the City, like mm-hmm. like the stuff that she was in, whatever, I was like, oh, that's the girl from Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> like uh-huh. I would always refer back to that to movie because that. that was literally the first time I'd ever seen her in a movie. Um, and then now it's like, I, I don't think even people even know she was in this well, movie. Well, I'll tell you this. She's in Footloose in 1984. Right. As a cool high school kid. She's uh, kind of a background character, right? But she's like the friend of... The girl that's the main character. Yeah. And, you know, cool kid. And then she's in this movie and she's like, totally rad. <laughs> like 80s girl. Like, really, really weird. Anyway, the girl that went to see Twisted Sister in concert. Yeah. And has pink hair. Purple. Uh, purple hair. Uh, Why yeah. do you have purple hair? The only other movie that she'd done oh, uh, besides Footloose before this movie was Girls Just Want to Have Fun. And oh. I think she did have more of a central role in that. Uh, and of course, she had done um, some television uh, shows. She's in an entire season of a show, uh, three, three, two, one, or something like that. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, she was. I mean, definitely an unknown actress at this point. She was twenty when she shot this film, which I'll get into some of the age differences between uh, the two, her and David, the kid. which I think has kind of got some creepy, creepy Odd, moments. But really weird stuff. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, she was definitely uh, not a known actor. Paul Rubens, the opposite. He was very well known. 
Um, but that was about it, right? Like the rest of the cast, even like the, the main character, David, I don't think probably anyone had ever seen him in a movie before. No. Um, he had been in two or three other things, but in in smaller roles, I think even just a voice part in a movie before this. But um, And honestly, he's one of those 80s child actors that could never escape that. Like he was in, I think, two or three other movies after this one. So two or three before, two or three after, and then basically disappeared off mm-hmm. the face of the planet. Uh, Howard Hesseman is uh, Dr. Faraday, and he is two things. He's from Head of the Class. Before that, he's from okay. w, uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. And so okay. he, whenever this movie came out, he was a hot ticket. Okay. This was a... I he was a, a big him, but... get for them, I would say. Okay. Uh, just because of that. The mom, I'd seen the mom in some things before. Um, is it Helen? Helen Freeman? Yes. Ver- Veronica Cartwright. Yeah. Um, and so she's been in a lot of stuff since then and, and beyond. But um, anyway. Um, strangely enough, um, just one more fact before sure. we get into the plot. But um, Paul Rubin is not credited as Paul Rubens at the end of this movie. So Paul, Paul Mall. Mall. Yeah. M A L L. Like the cigarette. Paul yeah. Mall. <laughs> um, but uh, the the thing, and I don't know the connection between him and the director, um, what's the director? What did I say? Rand- Randall Kleiser. But Randall Kleiser, let me run this down for you real quick. Uh, John Randall Kleiser. Um, he directed Grease in 1978. Blue Lagoon, which that's a big one, uh, 1978. Uh, Flight of the Navigator. Big Top Peewee, uh, and then White Fang, which I don't know if I saw that. He also, hold on to your hats, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid. Yeah, he's done more comedic stuff than serious stuff. Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. Remember that's 3D horribleness. Uh, that's a that's a ride uh-huh. at, at um, Disneyland. And then um, Red Riding Hood in 2006, and that's about it. That's about it. Yeah. And then they made for TV, nope. A made-for-TV thing called Return to the Blue Lagoon. So good times. Um, the 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 soundtrack is Alan Silvestri, and I honestly think the soundtrack is one of the best things about it. Really, this movie. Is. it's really You're good. Right. The the movies the, mu- the music is very eerie. This this movie immediately would have been at the time would have been compared to previous films like Close Encounters or ET came out like a, a year or two before this. Um, and I think for me at least, it's right up there with those scores. I, I think the the music in this is actually really really good. And I was surprised how much of the music I remembered. I hadn't seen this movie in twenty five years probably. Well, and I remember some of the tunes. When you think about this movie, I I can't believe it. It only made eighteen million at the box office off a nine yeah. million, off a nine million dollar budget, and it's like it's like this. Like you think of Flight of the Navig- Navigator. Oh, well, obviously it was a big blockbuster hit. That's not a big blockbuster hit. Yeah, um, for a Disney movie in the eighties, there's surprisingly um, a couple uh, moments of strong language in in the movie. There's a, an S word and. Um, like several D words and stuff like that. Nothing like there's no F bombs, but um, this movie originally did not start as a Disney movie. It was going to be an independent film. Oh, and Disney ended up taking like buying the rights, taking it over and then branding it as a Disney. It was is Disney when it launched in theaters, Weird. but it did not start that way. And I think a lot of the edginess, um, some of the darkness of it. And um, the only movie to include stronger language before this was Popeye. And um, that just came out like a year or two before this one. So, Robin Williams. Yeah. So uh, clearly there's more Disney films after that that has some language. Probably came out in the 80s. I think audiences at the time would have been shocked by some of the language in the movie just because it's not typical Disney going up to that point. Well, but look what they did. 
<laughs> Randall, Randall Kleiser's brother was the guy behind all the CGI in it. Okay. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. I think the CGI is fantastic for honestly for what it is. It's much better than the Mandalorian. Uh, not the Mandalorian. The Langoliers. Uh, uh, TV movie. Yeah, it was made for TV. Wow. Um, wow. So wow, wow. my history with it, I I think I might have said last episode that I saw this in theaters, but watching it this time, I I'm not entirely sure that's the case. I think my history with it is really similar to yours. I my, I'm almost I'm ninety five percent positive that we recorded this off of our television yeah. onto a, a blank v- VHS tape, and yeah. that's how I watched it. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I. The fact that I was able to quote parts of this movie, having not watched it for 25 years, tells me we watched it probably more than 20 times growing up. Like we, for whatever reason, my brother and I loved this movie. We watched it over and over and over again. Two brothers, so, and they were kids. Yeah, yeah, I you saw related. Myself. Well, and and our age, yeah, our age difference was pretty similar to yeah. theirs. Um, and so, um, yeah, my brother and I are almost not quite, almost three years apart, and these brothers are four years apart. So I, I. Saw myself and, and David. I'm the older brother of, of me and my brother, so I saw myself and, and David quite a bit. Um, all right, let's kind of go through recap. We'll we'll kind of skip over some, maybe some of the boring parts, but I think there's uh, I think there's some legitimate plot here. Um, the setup of the movie I think is pretty strong. Um, so it starts out, starts out in 1978. Again, the movie came out in 1986, and eventually we get to 1986 pretty quickly. But the first five, ten minutes or so is in 1978. It's July 4th. It's Fort Lauderdale, Lauderdale, Florida. This family of four, they have a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old. Um, it's David and... Jeff. Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, the, the nerdy, the geeky brother. Chef Jeff, Jeff. Um, they are... At first, I thought the dog... Like, the whole, like, two first two minutes, whatever, during the opening credits is, like, this Frisbee-throwing competition for dogs. And I thought, like, oh, this dog's going to be, like, a major part of this movie. You li- no. almost literally never see Bruiser after the Can first. Can I tell you, did, did I tell you this um, in the movie, what's the Easter egg for this movie, is that their dog, um, what's his name, uh, uh, Bruiser. Bruiser, Bruiser is actually a relative of all the Air Buds. Did you know that? Ooh. In this movie, it's, it's, a, it's a tie-in to an overarching universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's not real, but go ahead. Okay. All right. That's that's good. Um Fan fiction. I've, I've called some people in the studios. They told me that I had to really <laughs> make it happen. I had, I had to really dig for that information. <laughs> and they're coming out with a new movie <coughs> called Bruiser and Air, and Air Buds Mom. Um, the Frisbee Dog Championship is um, there's no uh, lines being spoken over it. It's, it's just opening credits. You're seeing a lot of something slow mo. And it is go, co- as coming into starting the movie off with some rock and 80s music. But it was and 1978. Then, yeah. Well, that's true, but the movie was '86. But um, uh, and at that point, you know that you're in for just an absolute trip of going back in time. Yeah, nostalgia. Yeah, if you grew up in the '80s, I think there's a lot to identify. And that is a cool thing about this. You're right. There is a lot of random cool stuff. They know they never went to a mall. Is, and they went to a mall. This would have really sealed the deal. Honestly, like I mean, there are other '80s movies that are like quintessentially '80s, but I would honestly put this up against any of those movies as far as like the references and Some the, the trope and, well and the way that they're dressed you know it's uh tube socks and slip and slides and and, twisted sister yeah um and even some of the some of the um slang like you know butt face uh, scuzz bucket you know stuff like that. radical the brother <laughs> when he comes back in time or he ends up he comes back basically his brother's like that's radical yeah 
uh, the geek is mentioned a lot, and it's not like in the traditional sense of what we think of as geek. Like back then, people were were you would call someone a geek if they were just uh, not not with it at right. all, like not not cool. Right. Um, and so, um, yeah, it's just really interesting to go back to it. But um, so uh, David has to basically. I'm going to skipping skipping over some of the uh, few things that happens at the very beginning. But what you need to know from the very beginning of the movie is that. Jeff, his little brother Jeff is at a party. They drop hold him off on, at a party. Hold on, hold on though. Let's oh, get. I got that? one. I got okay. something very important here. Okay. They're in the car coming back from from dog frisbee show, <laughs> and uh, they're like they're driving down the street, and it's kind of there's this house here. Oh, it's oh look, Terry's outside. Mom, Dad, and this is Jeff talking. Can I go to Terry's house? And they're like, oh, okay, sure, one. sure, but uh, okay, we'll go out there. He's got he's holding the uh, sparkler. Yes. Terry or whatever, it's whatever the kid's yeah. name is. It's I'm, I'm making up Terry. Terry sounds like a very a, a perfect name for this kid. Okay. Shirt off, a little bit of a mullet, and he's holding this sparkler, right? And he's like, all right, well, hey, be careful around those fireworks, okay? And then that's when his, him and his brother, he yells out the back seat of the station wagon, because yeah. the, back, the backward-facing seat in the station wagon you would never have now. Right. And he's like, yeah, whatever, butt face, like your whole run of things. Scuzz bucket, Scuzz yeah. bucket butt face, blah, blah, blah. He goes, and then, and then his brother Jeff wiggles his butt at him. Oh, yeah, and I he goes, And he goes, you're never, and okay, ready for this? This is what David says. You're not going to make it to your ninth birthday <laughs> my son is nine yeah hear me out <laughs> we've just dropped off an eight-year-old think about this time oh yeah there's a lot of that stuff in you're, this. you're dropping off your eight-year-old where there are fireworks at someone else's random house yeah make sure you come home make sure you walk home blah 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 blah, blah. Yeah, walk, what? Walk home. Yeah, it's a mile to their house through the woods. Yeah, yeah. That's what sets up this whole thing. Yeah, they're sending eight year old Jeff through the woods, and he he has to walk a mile through the woods to get at home. night. Yeah. At one point, they had to cross a train track to get home. Yeah. I think about my own son. And I'm like, I, I our society, we are soft. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I was know we. That too. I know my brother and I. We were pretty young when my parents left us at home alone. Uh-huh. Like we were pretty young. Yeah, but like, this is an unbelievable. I I would never let my son walk that far by himself in the woods. Yeah, yeah. So like right after that, basically they send David to go get him. They're like, okay, go go get your brother and bring him back. And he goes, oh, he's eight. He'll be fine. That's, yeah. what, that's what David says. It's like yeah. this weird like. So they send their their twelve year old. They they basically kind of live like in the um like swamp. Like kind of a swampy area of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Which is, is that real? I is that know. really? I've a, never been to Fort Lauderdale. Well, but I, Fort Lauderdale's on the on the ocean. I'm assuming and they keep showing the beach. They show the beach, or they, yeah, they, they show the, the, the waterfront at, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's um yeah. There's definitely water like ingress of water uh, into the area, or whatever. But he's going through what kind of looks like a kind of a swampy forest type thing, mm-hmm. and it's pitch black out there. And he's 12, and I'm just like, dude, like literally anyone could be out there. And yeah. I guess that's stuff that people didn't think about back then. It's hard to believe, but... Um, Again, I, our I, world's just a horrible when, place now. I, I don't know. <laughs> when I was watching that scene, I was just like, man, like I, I can't believe they're just allowing him to do this, but it's also a di- much different time back yeah. then, I guess. But uh, anyways... Maybe they're irresponsible parents. <laughs> Maybe the whole... <laughs> yeah. The moral here is how irresponsible they really are. Yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. Anyway, could be. Sorry, I wanted to rant about that a little bit. Yeah, no, like, I, I was. Gonna are say you so, kidding me? I, if like, you didn't say something, I was going to say something about it. I think so. that age, you can just like, why? Like, how's that possible? So, <laughs> so um, anyways, he he gets Jeff, and then they start walking back home. And um, no, he didn't. Jeff, get Jeff actually, they walk through the woods, and Jeff jumps out of a tree at him. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Jeff he's, was already he's, on his he way. Scares him. He was already on his way home, and Jeff jumps out of a tree. Yeah. So, anyways, Jeff Jeff takes off, and then. Um, uh, David basically slips down this ravine, like, like a, a hole. Hi- yeah. yeah, a little hill, whatever. Hits his head, and I guess gets knocked out. He kind of assuming he goes unconscious at that at that point. Um, when he comes to, when he wakes up, eight years have passed. So the very first thing he does is, of course, go back to. He thinks it's just been a couple hours. So he he goes back to his house. You know, um, Jeff is nowhere to be found, and it it's 1986 now from 1978 and his parents don't live there anymore. And there's kind of this weird, like creepy scene where he goes and he's like, mom, where's my mom? You know, like some old, some older lady. Yeah. And they're, they're like being really nice to him. They really were nice. Like like, uh, allowing him to come into their house and start walking around. Yeah. Starts coming (laughs) in their house. But, um, yeah. Uh, and it gets, it gets even creepier, creepier from that, from there. They're like, Hey, what's your name? Whatever. And he's like, just kind of slumped on the stairs crying. Like, and they they end up taking him to, down to the precinct, and mm-hmm. um, you know they're asking him what his name is, and they find this missing persons report from 1978, eight years ago, and he's like, yeah, this is his description, and he's wearing the same clothes, the same, he's the same age, like he looks exactly the same as this kid that disappeared eight years ago. He hasn't aged a day, and at, at this point, I'm like, this is pretty cool. Yeah, like, absolutely. I, I like I this. Everything I remembered from this movie, from watching this movie in the 80s and in the, in the 90s, was the second half of this movie. I had no memory of the first half. I didn't even re- remember that the main character disappears for eight years mm-hmm. and that everyone has grown up besides him. That's right. a pretty crucial part of the, the plot of this movie mm-hmm. and the end of the movie. Yeah. And I just blanked out on all of that. That tells you everything that you need to know about why I watched this movie when I was a kid. Yeah. I, I couldn't care less about the... The set of Holes. the premise. Yeah, I just wanted to see Paul Rubens. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> Paul Rubens. So that's that's kind of what, what happens. Um, he, uh, I did think it was kind of funny that his parents, it's only been eight years, but now his um, parents look like grandparents now. Like they have like gray hair and receding hairlines. They did some <laughs> weird stuff. Like, like they were like, they took mom, like they took mom's hair and like matted it down and switched it way back. Yeah. Like you said, dad's hairline was like <laughs> makeuped up to make it look like he's balder. Yeah. Cause that actor doesn't look that old. Like he's in other 80s yeah. movies that actor is and he, like, he doesn't look that old. So yeah, they, really weird. It, it looks like they aged like 15 years and I've seen some reviews of like, you know, Oh, like the emotional strain of losing their son eight years ago, like really aged them. It really, like, people like, well, really, they read into it that much. <laughs> Like people really read into this that much that they had to. Exp- they felt like they needed to explain explain that away. Yeah, yeah. Oh gosh. Okay. Well, whatever. So um, I I kind of laughed at that. Um, they see uh, Jeff. Uh, Jeff comes in. He's now he's now a sixteen year old um, high schooler. Um, and um, obviously, like he tries tries to convince David. He's like, no, I'm I'm really Jeff. And he's saying things that only Jeff would know. And he's like, look, it's not easy for me to believe you that you're really David, but I can see that that you're David. Like you look, you look exactly the way I remember you from eight years ago. Um, they're in the hospital. Um, turns out he's going to have to be there for a couple of days. They they run again. This movie's pretty dark and serious. The first half they run like um, brain tests on him. They've got like all these leads attached to his head. <laughs> really weird they're, technology ha- that that he's like it. It comes back in binary and then it yep. translates it to actual pictures. I, I 
and, and at the time, like in 1986, I'm, I don't know when you guys got your first computer. Um, we we got we were one of the first people. 93, probably we were, 94, maybe. Our family is a long time. My dad was super into like technology, and like mm-hmm. he had to have the latest and greatest. And so we were probably one of the first people on our block that ever had a personal computer. But mm-hmm. I feel like we maybe got one like a year or two after this. Like it, it computers were not known quantities. Well, because at the time. they they only did particular things, and if you didn't do those particular things, then there was no real point of having it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this isn't like Microsoft Windows time. This yeah, is like before Tetris. command prompt text. Before like Tetris. You wouldn't even, want a, you wouldn't even really want a computer then. <laughs> it's before Tetris. Who cares, right? Yeah, exactly. So, Can um, you play Minesweep? Uh, so yeah, they're, they're kind of just you know talking to each other and kind of helping each other out. As this is happening, and I've, I've skipped over a few scenes, I'm just kind of trying to talk about it all at once. Oh. Um, it keeps cutting back and forth between UFO stuff, NASA stuff, and this family. And it's all happening in real time together. Um, apparently, July 4th, Independence Day, is the day that aliens love to visit Earth. <laughs> I had a good laugh about that, too. I was just like, you know, little little did we know that Independence Day would come out 10 years after this. That movie. is true. That is true. <laughs> exactly 10 years. Yeah, 1996, I think. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Also on uh, Independence Day, the aliens visited them, and um, he they they're, they have this UFO. I think the UFO in general, I think, is really cool. Like I, I even watching it now, the the mystery around it and how cool it looks. Like, it kind of looks like this clamshell thing. It's like you're not your typical, yeah. especially for 1980s. Like we we thought flying saucers were literally flying flying saucers yeah, that there, look like or, frisbees. Or you know? there'd be something that would look like a ship. There'd be a, a an actual front to it, an actual back to it. And this thing's more fluid looking. Yeah, you know, so. and it's very. Um, it's almost you know. I, I don't think this is the way you meant it, but like Lu- it's very liquid. it's very liquid, liquid metal. The way yeah. that it runs, yeah, um, and morphs and opens up the. There's no door. There's there's no way in in, in or out of this thing. But yeah. the door just like morphs, yeah, um, open. The steps come out um, in almost liquid form and then solidify. Right. I thought all that stuff was really cool. I like that Doctor Faraday. And this is giving a hint, but that Doctor Faraday later in the movie is like, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, David. Cut. Come out, come away from the ship. He kept doing it. He like <laughs> David had been gone for like hours riding around the ship. Yeah. He l- watched him get into the ship. And then when he, the door opens in front later in the movie, all right, David, come 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 back here to the ship. Like <laughs> he's not gonna come to you. Yeah. <laughs> like, why would he come to you? So like the Smurfs be like, like Gargamel going, All right, Smurfs, come to me. Come here, come here, Smurfs. Yeah. Thanks, Gargamel. Um that they uh, David is starting to hear voices in his head. They they think he's completely off his rocker um, until he starts like with his brain, like without like telling anyone anything. Starts uh, like draws a picture of the UFO, like the same UFO that they've been studying that no one knows about, and, and certainly this kid couldn't possibly know anything about. Mm-mm. And so uh, Faraday, who's the NASA, think NASA. Anytime we say Faraday, but um, government agency, he says. Uh, he goes somehow found, finds out about this. They kind of skip over that part. Um, somehow he they're notified um, that this kid just drew a picture of a UFO, and he goes to the hospital. Says I can offer you. He's talking to the parents too. I can offer you the truth. Um, all I need is for you to be at the base for forty eight hours with my staff. Yeah, they um, always say, and they always say that, Phil. Yeah, and they always lie. You want you? They're I don't. Liars. You understand this? You. They will always listen. Anyone within the hear, earshot of my voice, they'll always lie to you. That's the first thing they'll say to you. It's only going to be 48 hours. Yeah, right. Oh, that's got political. Sure. Not political. It's truth. <laughs> All right. 
<laughs> Don't let them abduct you. Go, go, Phil. Yeah. Uh, basically, they say if, if you want to learn where you've been for the la- last eight years, um, I think that we can help with that. Like we can we can get you that information. Um, why you don't remember anything? Why you haven't aged? Um, so he gets there, and now we're, we're getting to Sarah Jessica Parker. He gets to the NASA facility where they're studying this UFO, and in the in the, the hangar that's kind of you know down the down the road from yeah, this then, uh, this house that they have him in. And uh, first, we meet Ralph, um, who is the R R A L F robot assistant, assistant, life labor facilitator. labor facilitator. Yeah, Ralph. He's basically the male the male robot, like M A I L. The male, oh. male he delivers the mail. <laughs> And he's so ridiculous. And then here's Sarah Jessica Parker, who's equally as ridiculous. So yeah, um, I remember her. Like I, 25 years later, I still remember her in this role. <sighs> I do, I do. Like I, I must have. I don't know. As for for some reason, I maybe I thought she was cute or something like that. But I just I remember. No, I mean, her. she's a quintessential 80s <laughs> actress. It's like it's not that she's not you know popular or known. It just. Yeah, I'm just annoyed sometimes by her. Um, but yeah. as Jack described earlier, she has purple hair. She can't, just came from a twisted on the back, twisted like, sister just concert. a little bit of purple hair. Yeah, and he and goes, David immediately takes a liking to her, and I, I don't think it's intended to be romantic. But there's some weird moments between yeah, the two. It's definitely Anakin Padme weird. It first is movie. that's that's a good comparison. Um, he uh, David goes, what? Why do you have purple hair? She looks at him like, what are you talking about? And then she's like, literal, you watch it back, four or five seconds. Oh, and then she starts touching her hair. And she's like, I went to t- Twisted Sister. I saw Twisted Sister last night. And then David, of course, hilariously says, who's she? Because he's from 1978. <laughs> yeah, he, doesn't know. he doesn't know who D. Snyder is. He has no idea. <laughs> and she says, it's a he. Actually, several he's. Actually, it's a they. It's a they. And then he's really, he's like, okay. I- uh, whatever. He's never seen a music video before. She um, helps him turn on the TV. He makes a reference about the Bee Gees. He says, my mom took me to see the Bee Gees last year. (laughs) And she doesn't really blink about that, but yeah, (laughs) I don't know. There you go. Um, Here at the NASA facility, they have better equipment. Obviously, they hook up to more sophisticated computers, more uh, sophisticated like cables to his brain. Yes. Um, More sophisticated Commodore 64s. Um, the computers just immediately go on the fritz. Um, I don't know if that's because he's closer to the UFO. They don't, never really explain that. That's kind of what I thought. His mental abilities. Yeah, he's. Yeah, he has like a better reception to the yes. to the UFO. I don't nice. know. That, the, the, it's true. It, at this point, you don't even know that the UFO is a drone ship, like an unpiloted drone. drone you assume ship. there's aliens in it. Yeah, you, yes. you think that there's someone that's hurt, um, maybe on the inside. They even make reference to that as like. Um, you know, there could be someone that needs medical attention, like an alien that needs medical attention on the inside. Uh, it turns out there's nobody in there. It's just basically a computer that's running this thing, which makes sense why the computers go on the fritz and all that kind of stuff. But um, uh, they ask him, where have you been the last eight years? He says, I don't know, but the screen actually answers for him, which I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the screen says, uh, in analysis mode on Phalon, which we don't understand at this moment, but we find out what that means later. Um, they asked him what Faraday actually kind of immediately kind of very quickly assumes what's going on here. And he gets right to the point. He says, what powered the craft that you were traveling in? Like he goes right to the, you know, because well, that's the what they're after. Issue. That's what they want. Yeah. yeah. They um, always want that bill. Yeah, they, they sure do. They, they, them continue. Uh, the screen goes crazy with alien language. Like it's all kinds of stuff. They don't understand. It's like matrix. Language. Um, 
that it's, it shows them a planet Phalon that is 560 light years away. It's, it's, it's uncharted space. They've never even gone that far with all their instruments. Uh, and it, it describes on screen that they traveled from there, 560 light years to earth in 2.2 hours, mm. solar hours is what it says. And so they quickly determined that if, you know, um, light speed theory is correct and Einstein knew what he was talking about and all that right. kind of stuff that if he traveled there and back in 4.4 hours, eight years would have passed on here, but because you're fast traveling faster than the speed of light, the, the people that are on that craft don't age right. and while everyone else ages around them. So, um, uh, yeah. And they see Phelan, they see all the star charts and everything like that. At the, uh, up to this point, I'm, I'm in, like, I, I'm like, this is cool. I like the setup. I like the fact that they're explaining why he's been gone, uh, where he doesn't remember anything. He, it's only he, been 4.4 hours. And I like, and I like that. I always like stuff like that. You went somewhere and now you've come back. Time has continued on, but, uh, it's the same for you, but everyone else has changed. Yeah, and time travels I, fun. I remember uh, Sarah Jessica Parker like little little s- snippets of scenes. I remembered from twenty five years ago, the last time I saw this movie. But the all of the details of the plot, I have no memory of, and I, I think it's probably because I just didn't care when I was a kid. But no, I, and you don't. The sci fi like four year old in me like just loves all this like Einsteinian like you know theory of relativity, yeah. re- relativity and light speed and stuff like that. So I I was in. I, I was like, this is this is pretty cool. I like this. I like where this is going. Um, then everything changes. It gets darker. Carolyn tells him he's not going to be there for just 48 hours. They lied. Oh, oh yeah, they, they lied. Yeah, you're not going to be here that long, dude. Calabunga. <laughs> she get, becomes kind of like the inside insider that is helping him kind of she on his side. Him. Yeah. Uh, he whispers to her to go tell his parents that they're locking him up. Uh, he said, get my parents on the phone, get them here. They'll, they'll help me. And then it gets a little creepy. I wanted to mention this. Um, and I remembered the scene from 25 years ago. There's a scene where um, she actually uh, takes her hand and tucks his hair behind his ear for him and kind of in a lovingly, you know, kind of gesture. And then says, you know, you're cute. Ha- has a girl ever told you that before? She, Sarah Jessica Parker in this movie is 20 years old. And I didn't look at how, look up how, how old David was, but I, I believe he's probably pretty close to 12 in this movie. A 20 year old is doing this to a 12-year-old. You know, you're cute. Has a girl ever told you that before? So Tucking stupid. his hair behind his ear. I, as a 40-year-old, especially of like now a father, you're mm-hmm. a father, I was super creeped out by this scene. Yeah. <laughs> like, and me, I, it was a different time back then. But but even then, I mean, I, I don't know why they why they have to do that. Why they? Yeah. Why? Super weird. Yeah. And he's smiling. He's very definitely enamored with her. Um, I They never, um, there's no, no like, affection from him to her at all which yeah, thank god yeah because um, if they did <laughs> yikes yeah um but it is so weird to go back and watch now yep. i mean especially in just where we're all, where we're at politically and just you know gender roles and everything like i, I just couldn't believe that they had that, that part in there that scene in there um anyway um the alien starts talking to him directly like he's he's again hearing full sentences from the alien um he says help me uh, you know, come find me. Um, he tells him to get inside Ralph, this this transport robot, basically, um, who's conveniently empty with no mail in him at the, at the moment. Ralph. Um, 
David climbs in Ralph. Uh, some ro- more rock and 80s music plays. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I say that tongue in cheek, but the the music is legit. Like I, I really, it wasn't, it was music that was, I'm sure written by Alan Silvestri, but was written for this movie, but it seems, it feels like anything in it from the eighties mm-hmm. that you hear on the radio. Um, really, really good stuff. Um, he, uh, gets transported to, to the UFO, goes into the UFO. And then what do you think about the interior and everything? There's okay, no, the there's best, no CGI here. It's all well, this and this. Okay. That, that use of the, that set design for that spaceship. By the way, it's 45 minutes in the movie. We're halfway through the movie. We really, finally get to the UFO. Really good. Like the inside. Awesome. Inside for me better than the outside. Oh yeah, because the inside looks like not human. This chair makes it comes out of the floor, so it's kind of yeah, and, you know, and it's able to kind of fit to him a little bit. Yeah, as best they could in 1986, you know. Yeah, and uh, it's all shiny, which is key. I said this about uh, Space Odyssey, 2001: Space Odyssey. The key to Kubrick making that movie look futuristic, mm-hmm. shiny. Yeah, and that's what they did with this. Yeah. Make it shiny. Star Wars was cool because Star Wars makes it, things look aged. You know what I'm saying? Right. Makes their spaceships look aged. Yeah. This though, futuristic and shiny. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I liked it. I thought as it was soon awesome. as I saw the interior with all the um, different dials, did this and not win something for set design? Like, That's cool. Did this not it, win? It should have. Like honestly, like awards the, for set design. The way that they that they made that thing look like a real, a truly alien craft. Was I thought impressive, really impressive, for that time. So, and again, it doesn't like, list any awards. All the Star Wars movies that had come out at, at this point, you know, even Return of the Jedi was, was yeah. Three so years you, old. there's a really the 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 hurdle the uh, the watermark is the is really high. Like the bar is set very very high. Yeah. Uh, for this movie to do anything good because it's a space movie, so you've got to doll it up somehow, but. I thought yeah. it, that's that's one of the best part for me, probably. Yeah, I was impressed. I remember watching this as a kid, just being shocked. Even by the alien thing, even the Max thing, before it turned into yeah. uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, <laughs> like literal, like Conky from Pee Wee's Playhouse. Like, I was on board with that thing. I thought that thing was cool. Yeah. Like, I, I was like, this is neat. Yeah, keep it a robot. Okay, whatever. And then it was like, why they need to do that? Yeah. Like literal. I don't think it helped. I don't think it helped the movie. Yeah, and, and honestly, I think um, watching David walk into the thing and seeing the, I think acting wise he does pretty good for the most 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 of the movie his the shock and awe in his face I think transfers to the audience really well yeah in this moment yeah. like you can see that he truly is amazed and drawn to this unbelievable thing that he's never seen before right um, and keep in mind like people had televisions of course but personal computers and like anything that's real techie. Like we have, you know, computers in our pockets now, you know, like that, none of that existed back then. So like what this kid w- would literally have never seen anything close to this anywhere. I mean, um, it, and I just love, I love how he looks as he walks there's an he's walking in, in inside the ship. There's an internal wall of the ship that is the wall. And then it becomes a screen yeah. And shows things on the screen, right? Yeah, everything morphs. And yeah. in a Star Wars world, in a Star Trek world, that the, the kid, you're right, the kid does a really good job of acting like any of us would have in 1986 to be like, what does that do? Like, I can't believe that. Like, yeah, how's this even working? Yeah. I remember in 1988, we got this, we won this prize, this little bitty miniature television set, like a little TV that was like a handheld TV, and it just had an antenna on it. And if you were in the city or around Springfield, oh, yeah. you could get stations on it. It was in color. Oh, cool. And it was color. And so 
I I remember seeing that thinking, I can't. This is unbelievable. I, I can't believe we own this. Mm-hmm. And two, it it works and blah blah. It's color TV, right? And um, this is Sony, by the way. <laughs> and and compared to that, like this is the flight of the navigator inside of the ship is unbelievable. So yeah, the kid did a good job of showing emotion. Yeah, I think this movie kind of took a little bit of a turn from that conversation. I think this movie does a really good job of kind of that child fantasy fulfillment. Especially, yes. I think I don't know. Maybe this maybe this isn't true. If you're if you're a girl listening to this and and you were captivated in the same way, uh, write the show and let us know. But I I almost feel like uh, boys in particular would would see the the aspect of like this. He's going to fly a, a UFO. Like he's going to fly a spaceship. Yes, um, is is really enticing i i think to, to you know every boy in that position would be like yes let's do this and so um yeah I, I think they do a pretty good job of that payoff but we don't know everything that's going on um there, there's been little teases and hints but what we do know is he says sit down navigator the, like you said the chair comes up from yeah. nothing out of mm-hmm. the floor and uh he says you have the information i require to complete my mission he's talk, talking very computer um at you know and like he's speaking like a computer would speak uh, your brain has been programmed with all the appropriate star charts. You are the navigator. You are the navigator. Um, and then at this point, you know, words gotten out that like the ship is moving and morphing and a door appeared and steps appeared and this kid got in there. The door is still open, by the way. And everyone descends on this hangar. Like everyone's running the security, NASA security, Faraday, uh, lots of guns, lots and lots of guns. Uh, and um, uh, David freaks out. You know, obviously he doesn't, he already doesn't trust these guys. The NASA guys are kind of posed as the bad guys, so to speak. Um, they're not truly bad, but like they're definitely the threat to him at this point. And so he freaks out and he says, get us out of here. And one of the, the, the one single word line that I remembered so much from this movie is compliance. I, he says compliance so many times in this movie. And I remember actually saying compliance a lot as a kid, like <laughs> playing, yeah. playing with my brother and stuff like that. It would like, we remembered compliance. So he goes compliance, whatever. And, uh, the UFO basically shoots the doors open with like some kind of electric um, uh, yeah, lightning strike a, a current that can take it over and make it work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, exits to the hangar. I thought the visuals looked pretty good. Um, and actually, the ship itself kind of sh- shape shifts, like ch- just changes right before your eyes. Yeah. And then he says, um, he says, what you know, where would you like to go? He's like, I don't care. Just take me twenty miles from here. And he takes him twenty miles straight, straight up. up, which is really <laughs> cool um he's they hit literal space like outer space uh breaks the atmosphere everything and he's he's floating in the middle of the ship i i thought all oh, this looks so cool I, yeah. I i was so in at this point um i thought it all looked great um at one point the they the, he says no take me back down so they go they go back down it stops like hovers like you know two feet above the ground or exactly where they left then it kind of morphs into this like bullet arrow yeah shape. What, what, he did say level he said they were uh, not level three, but I'm trying to think of the name, the, the wordage he uses. Anyway, this is a level. Oh, yeah. What does a level one be like? And then it morphs into that pointy-shaped yeah. front-end ship. Yeah. Yeah, it was super cool. Yeah, it um, looks like Padme's ship from uh, In a Minute. Yeah, it does, actually. Yeah. Um, And then we kind of get the... They, they stop, like, in the middle of this field or whatever, and they kind of get the full story out. So uh, it turns out that this... Trimaxian drone ship, which is why he calls it Max Trimaxian uh, drone ship from Phalon, has is basically on like a, a sample 
searching mission, like going from planet to planet, collecting alien life from all these planets. Mm-hmm. Human, then we get- humans are the mm-hmm. the main interest here on planet Earth, obviously. Uh, take them back to Phalon and then study, study them for a few hours, whatever, and then put them right back where they found them, yes. return them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just, just so happens he, he chose David. He found him in that ravine, knocked out or whatever. He's like, okay, this is an easy get. Um, he discovers that has discovered that humans only use 10% of their brains, so he filled up the other 90% with star charts, and I feel like you want to say something. All here. right, so so <laughs> there's this fallacy that a, a lot of people, uh, this myth that a lot of people attribute to Einstein, which is actually not true, and no one really knows the the initial idea that we only use 10% of our brains, Yeah, but our brains, all parts of our brains are working at all times. In use, yeah. In, in use at all times. Now, if you're saying you don't, it's not all filled up with memories or thoughts or trivia facts about Pokemon Go, <laughs> then, then yeah, you, you, right. Could it's be not right. all yeah. filled up with files of blah, blah, but it's like all the things in our brain, like our brain is being used. But like if that weren't the case, if you're someone who believes in, like, say, let's say you believed in evolution, well, eventually, or, or natural selection or whatever, um, your brain would eventually get rid of the parts it doesn't use. Like it's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. our appendix aren't really things that are used as much. And actually that's even been proven a little bit false because our bodies still do use our appendix in some way. But anyway, like it would eventually just get rid of those parts of your brain if it didn't use it. And it's like yeah. this movie is one thing that's attributed, not saying solely because there are other things, the movie limitless. You remember this? Oh yeah. Uh, 20% was in that, in that okay. movie. They talk about 20%. I've, I've heard 20% more than I've heard. Uh, the 10% though. I remember, no, I'm, I vividly remember 10% cause I remember thinking when I was younger, man, I, you'd be awesome to be so smart that I could use more than 10% of my brain. I, I what, what would it be like? And then actually the 10% thing you read for this one, I, it made, it motivated me to be like, to be like, I can do more oh, right. than just this 10%. Yeah. Which is this really weird, like, that's odd. But anyway. Yeah. 10%. Don't believe it, folks. <laughs> Listen, if you, if you can hear my voice, they want you to believe that you're only using 10% of your brain. You are better than that. You <laughs> Listen, you listening to me right now? Yes, you. Yep, you. Surely you're at least using, you know, 11 or 12%. <laughs> Back to you, Phil. Thank you. Back to you in the studio. Back to you in the studio. Um, but yeah, they definitely kind of play it off as like, you're only using 10% of your C drive on your computer. That's essentially what it is. <laughs> yeah. Like you have much more RAM space, yeah. <laughs> much more memory you can put in there. Um, we have got all kinds of things we can put in there. So, so. I'm going to fill up the rest of your C drive with, right. with star charts, basically. And yes. Fill it up to 100%, which you think would cook his brain <laughs> more than anything. But at any rate, they just kind of gloss over and that. And then he complains about his, he's not, he's later on when they want to time travel. Yeah. Which is possible, right. which is crazy. Right. Um, you're too fragile. You can't. You couldn't yeah, you handle can't, it. Can't handle but it. But we'll fill your brain up with star charts. Ninety <laughs> percent of your brain, <laughs> star charts. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's you can't think too hard about this movie for sure. Um, it is a kids movie. <laughs> um, it turns out that that was a very lucky thing that happened. Um, that he downloaded all of his star charts into David's brain because when he returns, tries to attempt to return David to Earth four four point four hours later. He crashes into electrical towers, which basically fries his yes. charts on the ship. It's very convenient, and so he needs the charts and the charts in David's brain to get back home. 
the ship can, and he also mentions at this point that the ship can time travel. He normally actually uses that feature and takes specimens back to their exact time uh, since uh, space time and the way light speed works and everything monkeys with that. Mm-hmm. But he's, like you said, the human brain can't handle that. So um, he said that's, that is why everything has happened to you. So uh, no, no human Faraday included could explain it, but the, you know, this um, computer on this ship basically tells him exactly what's going on. Then he shows him all these other specimens, which I for, I kind of forgot about this. I remember the little the little baby one, the Puck Marin, that he ends up taking a liking to. The rest of them, it, it, yeah. When I was watching it, I was like, like I called the eyeball one right like a f- three seconds before it because it was like it just triggered like my memory from yeah. twenty five years ago. Yeah, but um, I forgot that there were even specimens on the ship until I was watching it, and then I was like, oh yeah. And then I think there's one that he likes, and like it all kind of came back to me rushing back. It's this movie took me transported me back to the early nineties pretty quickly just by watching it. It's crazy. Uh, it's kind of crazy to, to have that experience, but um, yeah, the cute one is called a Puck Marin and kind of becomes a, a bit of a pet well, for David. Something um, happens at the end. Though, yeah, so. we see him at the very end of the movie. Um, uh, they and it's really the only one that they give. You know that the Buckmaron's going to be special because it's the only one that has a backstory. Like he, he tells a little bit about all of them. Like oh, I found him on this planet, that, but that one's th- nasty. Don't yeah, touch don't him. Don't touch him. But the Buckmaron, he's like, yeah, his planet planet was destroyed by a comet, and you know, that, it's like it's very sad and emotional. <laughs> so he has no place for me to send him to. Yeah, he has no. He's homeless. Uh, he's yeah. this cute little homeless right. thing. He costs sixty dollars to adopt though. Yeah, <laughs> pick him up at your local. Uh, yeah. Pet store. And haven't spayed in there. <laughs> so um, they, uh, and then he says, okay, well, let's do this. Like, you know, I want you to get, be able to get back to your uh, home planet of Phalon. So, you know, you got everything you need is in my brain. So how do we do this? He says, well, simple. I, I'm just going to scan your brain for three seconds and I'll have all of it. And this will all be over. I'll take oh you back to your gosh. parents. And so um, he, and here it goes. He performs a mind transfer. Here it goes. And in this movie, at this point, the movie takes uh, a hard. And I mean, a hard left turn. Get, continue. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why it takes a, a left turn. It gets really, really silly. Um, oh. at, at this point, I think it was maybe right before this, he's trying to teach Max how to laugh. And he's, he hasn't done the mind transfer left. And so he's like, ha, 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 ha. Where oh, I was like, oh, is minute. that Paul Rubens? And wait a minute. Then it becomes very clear that it's Paul Rubens after the mind transfer. So... Um, mm-hmm. So he gets all of the star charts out of Max's brain during the mind transfer, but he also gets all of his human emotions for some reason, and that's never explained. And he basically becomes human-like um, and, and and childlike, really. Like, keep in mind he's he's basically sucking up all the emotions and thoughts of a twelve-year-old boy. Oh. And so uh, you know he's acting. The, the from this point on, the robot is basically we've never really talked about it. it kind of looks like a Star Warsian kind of. Uh, eyeball robot yes. um, is basically a 12 year old child for the rest of the film. Yes. <laughs> and it, it goes and not just crazy any, after this. Not just any 12 year old child. A certain 12 year old child named Pee Wee Herman. Yes. Paul Rubens or Paul Mall. As he's credited. <laughs> they might as well play this music. That's right. It's Pee-wee's Playhouse. <laughs> and the movie goes from being kind of a unique idea with a very chromium-looking, beautiful feel to now Paul Rubens is inserted into the movie, and it's time for him to take over. 
Once you let Paul in, guys, <laughs> there's no, there's no getting no out of there. there. There's no getting him out of there. So, by the way, I feel like most of the commercials for this movie were from like this last 25 minutes of the movie, but it literally is the last. I think it's maybe the last 20 minutes of the movie. Is but I don't know why they did that. Like, I look at it from a now standpoint, and you're like, I don't know. Did you like it? The change when you were little, you remember watching this and going. That was cool when everybody changed. I thought, and he I, got emotions. I remember as a kid watching this thinking it was hilarious. Oh. Yeah, it, I, I would It doesn't hold up. Even at the time I've been like, wait, what? What happened? <laughs> but uh, have you ever seen the movie Short Circuit? Short Circuit is yeah. about this robot. And I, that's he, he's like, but he's kind of whimsical comedy like that too. And that's basically what they, then they're like segue this into Short Circuit basically. Yeah. But I can't remember if Short Circuit came out before or after. But like they're basically like, then they were, the kid, David, had to explain things to the robot, to Max, before Pee-wee, right? Well, then, and, and then that way, Max's character could be this very uh, uh, antiseptic, um, very sterile character that David had to add the seasoning to, salt and pepper, right? <laughs> right. Well, then, they're like, you know what, let's just... Make a uh, Mon- Monte Cristo sandwich with uh, with uh, the robot uh, Maximilian, and uh, we're gonna uh, he's gonna take over now. Wow, <laughs> this can't be happening. I think I've gotten some stuff out of your head that has nothing to do with navigating this ship. You sound just like a human. You sound like Paul Rubens. No! That dumb dog will never learn to catch a frisbee. You are an inferior species. You dumb door. Butt face. Ghost bucket. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so, and, and it's just and it's 20 minutes of that um for the, the and, whole rest of the film. yeah and then you have that and the other thing that happens is they go on their journey because they get out away from the bad guys quote-unquote who by the way the military helicopters are like news helicopters chasing them around they rented three helicopters from some guy for this movie yeah like i expected it to be like military looking helicopters following them around yeah it's, it's, and then the scientists from NASA. Well, when you think about the budget, the $9 million is all I Well, here's Faraday, the scientists from NASA. At <laughs> one point, the ship takes off. They end up uh, f- figuring out where they're at because he's stopped to go to the bathroom in this field with yeah. these cows, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, he basically is like, Faraday's like, okay, there they are. We found them where they're at. Which, how they track them, I don't know. But um, he's like, they're, the helicopter's coming. They're hovering. And then all of a sudden, the, the ship takes off, like the spacecraft takes off, and Faraday goes, can you follow him? You're a NASA scientist. <laughs> you know how fast helicopters travel, and this thing can travel at the speed of light. Yeah. Answer your own question. Yeah. The, the, the helicopter guy's like, I can't even see him. <laughs> can you follow him? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, again, kid movie. Yeah, it is a... Uh, it is very kid crazy at this point. Did you watch this with Miller? Did Miller see this? No, he wasn't up this morning when I was I'm, watching it. I'd be very interested to see his take he on wouldn't have watched the it. last 20 he minutes He would get of tired it. of it. I, I think he'd probably get tired of that. So he would, he would think that the last 20 minutes would be just too stupid. Yeah, he wouldn't like it. Yeah. But but yet then I, you know, apparently Jeff, the little the eight-year-old is more mature than my son. He can walk a he, mile through the woods over train tracks to get home. Yeah. Through the swamp. I think the only thing that's really interesting, I, I, I kind of wonder how, if this movie wasn't, if that character wasn't voiced by Paul, Paul Rubens, what our take would be on it. Because the, the premise... I just wanted it to be the robot. Yeah. The premise of it is not terrible, like like the, that a, a computer doesn't know how to handle human emotions like that. 
Uh, like I'm not opposed to that as a premise for an idea. Um, but the the way that they took it and the way, the way it's just so distinctly Paul Rubens. Pee Wee was, was a character. Paul Rubens was a character in things before that. Yeah. And it makes me laugh to think, like, Pee Wee was a character. But yeah, Pee Wee's Playhouse started in, like, 81 or something like that. Well, right? or it was before 86, like, or it was around yeah. the same time. Yeah. yeah. But why did they decide to have, the, like, wouldn't have everyone known? That would be like being, I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, I said Max Hedrum earlier, if you guys don't know who that is. But, like, I'm trying to think of another 80s, like, character or even a 90s character. Like, if you had Urkel come on and, and like, Jaleel White uh, comes on and does the voice of Jaleel White for the uh, robot, you'd be like, why is Urkel in this now? Let me throw out a different name that I think has more, like, permanent resonance. Because yeah. it's, it's hard. You have to think of someone that didn't wasn't just popular in, in a single decade. Wh- what if it was Robin Williams? That'd be fine. I can handle that. Yeah. But Pee Wee is very eighties, like yeah. And it, it, it and I, at the time they're not thinking that. At the time they're thinking Pee Wee is big money. We've got Pee Wee. Hey, we got Pee Wee in this movie. Yeah. And now we're like, ugh, we got Pee Wee in this movie. Yeah. Ugh. I I I would be fascinated. Robin Williams it's, be fine. It's too late now since he's passed, but like I, I would love to see a Robin Williams remake, like where he where he's the voice of yeah. that. Even now, like I, if 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 Robin was still with us, I, I think that would be. I, I would love to hear him as that. Yeah. If as you that had voice. to do that, if you had to do that with the character, you could have just kept it robotic. Yeah, and had the robot talking about things, and uh, that would have been funny too. Because then that would have been like uh, Commander Data on Star Trek. Yeah, talking about human things. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. The, anyway. Actually, this premise has been done on Star Trek. No, oh, yeah, next generation Data. where Data yeah. gets Data's like, always human looking emotions. for emotions. Data's always trying to get emotions. Okay. Gotcha. And then at some point he gets emotions, and then it. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, he and then he he doesn't really want them. Like it's like it, it yeah. ends up not being a thing. Like it's not as. But it, it doesn't go silly like this. But his is. brother Lore is involved, and we're not really talking about Star Trek. But <laughs> so um, he takes all of his emotions. It does go silly, but it's not this silly. Yeah, including and, including anger. And so at one point, um, David calls Max uh, a geek, or whatever, and he does not like that. And he reacts, reacts basically the way, same way that Jeff would. And so he says, um, fine. He's like, if you're so smart, you fly it. And so he takes him up into, up into space, again, 20 miles up or whatever, and just lets the, the spaceship free fall. And at that point, you know, David has like two minutes. And they're, they're saying, 19 seconds till impact, whatever. Like, it's going down and it's going to be bad. And he's just going to let them basically incinerate and or like implode the earth or whatever. And so he... Um, in about two minutes flat has to learn how to fly this thing, which is again, really laughable to even think about, but he pulls it off. Um, the, those little like two like side car things pop up and he puts his right hand on the right hand side one and the left hand on the left side one and ends up steering the ship with that. Um, he's using his foot pedals, whatever. And then for the next 15 minutes, this is not an exaggeration. The only thing that happens in the movie is that they, they go, fly around. They go tourist. Like they just basically like they, they go to they Japan. Fly around. They go to San and, Francisco. And, and, and at times, <laughs> I guess that's what a twelve-year-old would do. Right. Given a spaceship, but, but in the same vein, like this is a point about the time in our morning today where Amanda woke up and was like, she watched probably about half this movie and she watched the second half of the movie. Oh really? And she saw this part <laughs> and she was like, "What are they even doing yeah. now? Like, what's she the literally purpose? goes, "What are they even doing?" And I yeah. go, "I think they're just driving around. Like, I, I don't." Yep. It's weird. Like, yeah, that's exactly I, I'm like, it. And it was one of those where they're like, I literally think, and I said this earlier in the episode. They went like, cruising, basically. Yeah, but I, I said this earlier in the episode, like where it's like, they okay, look what we can do with this technology. 
We've got CGI. We've got the inside of this this thing. Watch us do it now. It'd be, it'd be like on like on Avatar, them riding around on the you know creatures and you know, the green people moving around, like not doing anything for fifteen minutes. Yeah, like it, no story. Just it, there's absolutely no story in the yeah. They're just the last showing minutes. you the technology. It'd be like bullet time for fifteen minutes on on the Matrix. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just like. Why? Yeah, it, everything that we said about the plot up to this point is done. Like, there's there is no more plot except right. for the very last decision that Max makes. He wants to go David home. Makes, but he wants to go home. Um, yeah, there's this scene where they they they're getting close to Fort Lauderdale. I, I think that probably the best part of this last twenty minutes is that David is. You keep in mind a twelve year old. He has no idea how to. Even if he was in Fort Lauderdale, he still wouldn't have any idea how to find his parents' house, especially their new house. Yeah, and so he has no idea how to even get home. Um, but like he says, oh, I got a D in geography. <laughs> He's like, I, I literally don't even know where Florida is. I get, if he showed me a map of the of the world, I wouldn't, I couldn't point to Florida, which is hard to believe. But um, and so they're basically, you're led to believe that the reason why they're cruising around the planet is because they're literally just spinning the globe, just trying to find Florida. Um, and so, <laughs> um, yeah, probably the most interesting encounter is this one here. I'll play a little bit of a clip. Um, where they go to to they're in Florida. Oh my! And they stop at this gas station. Big Al's Gator. Yeah, and um, he. Hey, Blimbo! Ongoing. Too many Twinkies. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, there's this, um, you know, big guy. They're making fun of his weight, and uh, he owns like the Bait and Worms Tackle Shop oh or my. whatever in like a very stereotypical Deep South Florida. Yeah. Kind of gas station. Florida man. Uh, and um. They, uh, he, that's basically the, the whole point of the scene is that he borrows change, steals his change, basically goes to make a collect call, which I didn't even think you needed money to make a collect call. Anyway, he makes a collect call, um, and calls his mom and dad and they say, okay, we're going to shoot up some fireworks so that we can help you find our house and get you home. Shoot up some fireworks. <laughs> so, um, there's not much else to, to say, uh, from this point, um, there, I'm fast forwarding through like honestly most of that 20 minute se- section because it's mostly just played off for laughs. Like at one point they huff, they fly over like this um, convertible car of like st- stereotypical eighties teenagers. And they're like, you know, and Max is like, Hey, were those ge- geeks, David? He's like, yep, those were geeks, Max. Like it's, it, there's n- literally no purpose no. for any of this. It's just, it's just, they basically said, Paul, Paul, you've got 20 minutes to, to be peewee in this movie and just go crazy. There's no script. You just do whatever you want and say whatever you want and we'll record it. And that, that is 20 minutes of the movie. Uh, I, I, I really thought that, that all of this deep, heavy plot about time travel and, um, you know, being abducted and, you know, being displaced from your family for eight years and the emotion of like, you know, do I even know this family anymore? And I, you know, I don't even know where they live and I'm an alien. There's, there's, there's all these different things that they could have taken it. Like, no. like feeling like an alien on your own planet because yes. the, the world has changed without you. Yes. You know, like there are so many deep places that this movie could have gone and this is where they decided to take it. Right. <laughs> so crazy. Um, there's one funny line that I kind of laughed at, uh, where he says, uh, Max actually tells David, he says, I got to get my creatures back to their planets. You know, we got to, we got to cut this road trip short. Uh, they're so hungry. They could eat a zigzag. And David says, what's a zigzag? And he says, kind of like a hippo, but with feathers. And I, I kind of chuckled at that. Oh, reference but, but so like <laughs> blip blorp. It, it's so, so much for kids. So it is um, all for kids. We'll kind of wrap this up pretty quickly. Uh, basically in a nutshell, what happens is, um, 
they they get all the way home. NASA is there waiting for them with the parents, kind of almost holding them hostage. It's, it's kind of creepy, some of the stuff that happens. But um, And they're waiting for him so that they can basically take him right back to the facility they said, you know, hey, you know, if I if I walk if I come out of this ship and go into their custody, I'm never going to see my family again. I'm just going to be locked up for the next 20 years. And so, uh, and then uh, Max says, but if you go back in time with me, you could be vaporized. And he says, I have to take that chance. Let's let's do it. And so he goes right back into the ship, ditches his family, ditches hold on uh, NASA. Let me let me show you some acting out of uh, okay, do it out of uh, Mr. Uh, what's his face from uh, head of the class. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Here's some acting. Um, okay, do it. Let me uh, let me get you uh, some really good acting here. Uh, let me just show you. And this is uh, in the spirit of I always forget his name. Howard Hessman. Okay. From WKRP in Cincinnati, as Doctor Louis Faraday. Okay. David. 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 Get off the ship. David, step, step down from the ship. No, David, come to the, come away from the ship, David. David stares. <laughs> David, come get off the ship. <laughs> Scene. So, what lines am I supposed to say? This we only have one line for you. It's get off the ship. <laughs> That's all. And, and like, and the family say that over and over. It's again. literally the, the whole crowd and Howard Hessman. And David looks around and looks back at Max and go and says. Basically what you said. No, this isn't my home. Yeah. Hey, come here, David. <laughs> off the ship. Down the stairs. Off. Come to us. We're safe. We're friends. We've, we've not done anything wrong. We didn't lock you up for two days <laughs> and then tell you we're going to lock you up more. That Yeah. Scene. Uh, then they, they go back in time. It's uh, kind of Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory-esque where they kind of go through this like uh, lightning. It's like not even a real place. Like it's it's supposed to simulate time travel, I think. Yeah. But it's um like Max goes like like red, like he's like blood red in his in his eyeball area or whatever. Um and they they <laughs> <His> up, eyeball <laughs> area. They end up making it back to 1978. He's in one piece. Um didn't get vaporized. Yes. Um, but he has knowledge of the future and he stole the sports almanac. Yes. And now his family <laughs> is millionaires and Biff works for his father. Yep. That's true. Oh wait, no, that's that's a different Sorry. Movie. And Huey Lewis plays this out. Um and uh so at one point, like I almost thought, like he wakes up, he's exactly where he was, you know, at, at minute ten into the movie, and at, for a second I was like, are they going to play this off as it was a all dream. a dream? Like was any of this real? But it turns out it, it is real. Couldn't have been a dream because of the puck man. Yes, he still has it available in all KB toy stores. <laughs> he jumps in the boat with. Um, he's now 1978. Jeff is eight years old, and he jumps in the boat with his family, and uh, Jeff sees it. The, the puck marion gets wide-eyed, yeah. and he freaks out for a second, and he says, and he smiles. Keep, keep it quiet. And then he smiles. Don't tell anyone. Don't, and, and he also says, don't feed him after midnight. Yeah. And the last line that's uttered in this movie is, see you later, Navigator. No. <laughs> um, goods and bads, to use a yeah, phrase the, HMP, <laughs> the bads are peewee. I cannot believe it's they so, just said, you're in so hey, bad. and you're up. Yeah. Go to town. And they did. And he did. This and movie could have been really great. It really could have been. I I would say this, if it didn't make, in 1986, if it didn't make more than $18 million with, with Pee Wee doing the Pee Wee impression, 
I don't know that that would change. Like, I think it would have probably just made eighteen million dollars. Like I think they yeah. could have saved their money and not paid Pee Wee. Um, the goods were the CGI is really good. The set design stuff's really good. Honestly, David Kidd did fine. Like what? What do you yeah. expect? You know what I'm saying? Um, and then um, this got time travel. It's a pretty good movie. It yeah. just man, Pee Wee Wolf. The facts of the movie are. I mean, there's a couple things you can't think too hard about, but. That's always the case with anything time travel. Yeah. I, I, I think it, it does have some weird age things in it. Like you talked about the uh, Sarah uh, Jessica Parker thing yeah, with super with weird. David. Well, uh, I, le- and I they- left out at the fact that she's like um, hanging onto the chain link fence as he's like coming back. Like that they, when he comes back to the family at the very end of the movie, right? Sarah Jessica Parker's there waiting for him. Like the, yeah, lo- the love of my life is back. How did she get there? Like, <laughs> why would they take her on that trip? Like, why would she be allowed? Like, if this was a Government facility at NASA. Why is she coming along? Yeah, she has a very yeah big interest in David for whatever reason. It's right, super creepy. Um, yeah, uh, given their their age difference. But yes, and then and then the again the eight year old allowed to just wander around the countryside through the woods. Like I'm just like yeah, there's some dated stuff. That's weird. Like that. So that that kind of stuff. Um, but then you know for, for a movie that's called Flight of the Navigator, I really thought that they were going to do let him actually navigate like into space or do something other than literally just take a cruise. Why is cruise he the navigator? The <laughs> because he has the maps downloaded in his brain. Like he really doesn't even leave the surface of the planet except for two times. And that's, and both times are just for seconds. Like he's only in space for like a few seconds. It's weird. super weird. Well, uh, other than the fact that we don't, we didn't know it. We didn't get to watch it, but he did go at light speed to, you know, 2.2 hours to failing off. Fail, yeah. He fail just on. wasn't awake for it or doesn't remember. Yeah. But, also. um, yeah, I so I was I was super in on this movie until like the fifty minute mark or whatever, ha, that's and, me. and then at that point it just completely unraveled for me. So <sighs> I, I couldn't believe it. I did like the ending. I liked that he d- decided that nineteen eighty six is not his real home and he doesn't belong there, and he wanted to go back to nineteen seventy eight. Now let's talk about time travel. Is that timeline still going? Was it a totally different version of himself? Did he actually go back in time to the timeline? Did that fix the timeline we, we just saw? A lot of questions to be answered. Thanks, Doctor Strange. I, I think that they probably, honestly, they they may address that in the remake. I would I wouldn't be surprised at all, given our current fascination with that kind of stuff. As long as I get Doctor Faraday, that's all I care about. <laughs> so anyway, um, so that's that. That's Flight of the Navigator. It is. I'm I'm glad I watched it just for nostalgia alone. Mm-hmm. And the 80s references are awesome yeah. in this movie. So if you grew up with this movie and you haven't seen it in 20 years, I'd say go ahead and watch it. I'd yeah. recommend it. Um, if you if the last 20 minutes of it sound like garbage to you, just mm-hmm. turn it off. Yeah. Like 50 minutes in. And they're doing a spinoff show on it's a YouTube only, just on YouTube. Uh it's a short, a little short show called Faraday. And it's about the background of Dr. Faraday. And his- I'd love to see that. Just he just walks around telling people to get off the ship. <laughs> Step this way from the ship. Sorry, guys. I know I'm annoying. Uh, I like to beat a dead horse. I've never seen a dead horse that I didn't want to beat. Yeah, and I beat that dead horse big time. I've accused you of that several times. I'm and Faraday definitely is that dead horse now. <laughs> All right, moving along. Um, what else have you been watching on Disney? Uh, started. You? I started watching 30 minutes of Rocketeer this morning. Yeah, um, <laughs> and then um, I watched well, the new Clone Wars, so well, it's good. Okay, I've not seen episode three oh, yet. It's good. Um, I, I, may, I may just watch it's it good. back to back. Your but. your um thought to only do to us just do two episodes at once. Smart. 
I just think that there's not enough to talk about with well, a we would have, I, I legitimately think that these episodes would just be 25 minutes long. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to do it, like, we just need to talk for 25 minutes yeah. about Clone Wars. And I, I'd be okay with that, but I think it's more interesting to the audience to maybe listen to a cohesive yeah. plot. Like, yeah. so. not just half of a plot right. one week and then the other half the next week. But it's good. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm the new, the new episode's it. really good, so. Um, I'm now into season four of Clean Clone Wars, uh, Clean like Wars. Clean Wars, which uh, is a new I, reality show about cleaning. <laughs> it stars Mr. Clean. Yes, um, but yeah, I have not uh, watched episode three yet. But yeah, I, I actually have, have gone. I'm still trekking through, so I'm two or three episodes into season four. Se- season four already starts mm-hmm. off with a huge bang. Like, right. um, it's it's really good um, so far. So I'm already seeing some distance between Ahsoka and Anakin, which is really cool to watch. Yes, and. Uh, uh, Chewbacca is in the la- the final episode of season three, which I loved watching Chewbacca show up. So um, he's actually in captivity uh, on this planet. So it's a it's kind of a that episode, the final episode, last couple episodes of season three are basically Hunger Games. Like there, um, there's except they're not trying to kill each other. They're, all the captives on this planet are basically being hunted. It, actually, it's probably more like Predator. So they they're being hunted for by, sport. For sport by a, a bunch of um, Trogmalians or whatever, oh, yeah, yeah. like they're the big like um, almost kind of p- pig like creatures, like they're the, from Jabba's from Jabba's yes. temple, the green skin guys. Yeah, yeah. So they're he's they're being tracked and hunted by these people, and um, uh, they basically have to find their way out. That honestly, they probably wouldn't have gotten gotten out without che- without Chewie. <laughs> so they, they actually he's actually caged. He's a caged animal basically, and they break him out. And he ends up kind of leaving, leading um, uh, an, an insurgents against the captors, and ends up getting them all free. So that Chewie is a good pretty cool. Dude. Pretty cool to see him in there. He but is. That's all. He was voted Wars. number one Wookiee in his senior class. Did you know that? Yeah. And his life day, it's the best party you've ever been to. I mean, they have a whole movie, a spinoff movie, mm-hmm. holiday special. Yeah. About Chewie's life day. What's the grandpa's name? Itchy. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great name itchy <laughs> that's how you have to say his name after you watch that you'll understand folks itchy <laughs> that's how you have to say his name when you watch the Disney holiday or the Disney holiday the Star Wars holiday special that's how you have to say itchy's name YouTube I think it's on YouTube yeah it's it? all grainy and horrible and it's gotta be somewhere uh, it's not on they've Disney never Plus, sold it, it. They've never sold a copy of it. No, I mean they could now because Lucas doesn't have as much power as to him. <laughs> anyway, so there he loves Diana Ross. That's for freaking sure. Yeah, gross. Weird. <laughs> you want to talk about creepy? Itchy. <laughs> 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 that might be my favorite part of this episode. <laughs> oh. <laughs> not, not any better than Faraday. My Faraday rants. It, itchy. The voice of Itchy should have been the voice of Max. <laughs> alright I think that wraps it up for this episode it's been a crazy episode uh, what a crazy movie um, next week we'll, we'll be back with more Clone Wars we will discuss episodes 3 and 4 of the final 7th season of Clone Wars next week for you uh, so go ahead and watch both of those episodes if you haven't already seen uh, 3 watch 3 and 4 before next week and then after that, we might actually go back to um, uh, the Rocketeers since you already watched the first Maybe, three minutes. Well, let's, pick, let's, let's figure one out here. Uh, you said, and I'm going to go get some behind the scenes. Sure. Uh, I'm not going to give numbers or anything, but are 
biggest downloaded uh, episode so far has been the High School Musical, the series, the series, the the musical (laughs) series show. Yeah. Uh, episode. So we've got to dig in and find what's that next little diamond in the rough? What's the next pearl we can find to I mean, rip out of that clam's shell? If you want to go for the same demographic, we could do that that uh, brand new like original movie that's coming out in two weeks. Which is? Um, I knew you were going to ask me that. I can't remember what it's called. It's a uh, it's it's like a teen drama movie, but it's it's being written for Disney Plus. Like it's Oof. it's coming straight to Disney Plus. Well, we may just do that. Um, now I will say this about uh, we also have Comic Con coming up. So we also have Comic Con to think about as well. So. Oh yeah, yeah. If it, uh, we mentioned that last week, but it's it's worth mentioning every week until it happens. But we are at Planet, Planet Comic Con in Kansas City on the twenty second at two thirty p.m. And, and my so my plan is to there, see us. Uh, try to. Uh, I've already got. I call. I called him this week. Brandon Routh, uh, Superman uh, from Batman or from Superman Returns from Batman Returns. <laughs> Superman Returns. I've tried to get him on the show, and he. Um, he told me no. Right to my face. So, he won't be coming on. Just so you know, Phil. Okay. Brandon, Brandon Roth's not going to be coming on. Thanks for trying. Yeah, I appreciate I tried. it. I called, his, uh, I called his agent, and his agent said, who are you? Uh, Stargirl. Stargirl from Disney Plus is a tender and offbeat coming-of-age story based on the critically acclaimed New York Times best-selling young adult no- novel. That tells you everything you need to know about the, the mood of this movie. Uh, about an unassuming high schooler who finds himself inexplic- inexplicably drawn to a free-spirited new girl whose unconventional ways change how they see themselves and their world. It sounds really romantic. We shall see if we do that one. Uh, that comes out next Friday. Is Evanescence Wake Me Up on the soundtrack? It better be. Wake me up. We will not be discussing Stargirl on the next episode, but maybe on the episode after that, we'll maybe inv- invite so. Caitlin to come back and talk about Stargirl. Maybe so. So, all right, all right. Thanks for joining us. Um, write the show at Disney Plus Reviews at Hotmail.com if you want to give us any suggestions about what sh- we should re- review or what you've been watching. And uh, tune in next week for some more Clone Wars. Step off the ship. <laughs>